As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba da ba ba ba. With five seconds, he's going to throw it. Howard leaps. He has it. Touchdown, Carolina. Back from the dead to tie the game with two seconds to go. Snap back, spot down. The kick is cleanly away. It is good. And Nick it's Warner with yes, a 54-yard field goal. And how about them Tar Heels? They do it. Here's Kupak. Gives off to Amos. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's Jordan back to kick. It's blocked again. Picked up. It'll be a touchdown, Carolina, for Bracey Walker. He blocks his second punt and scores his second touchdown of the season. It's 14 to 13. Mr. Jordan meet Mr. Walker. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast on Spreaker.com. Hey guys, and welcome to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. I'm Anthony Pegnata with you as always, and once again joining us this week, Josh Marlowe here to recap the state game and talk about everything that is going on around the head coaching position with the North Carolina Tar Heels. So we welcome in Josh. How's it going today, buddy? Uh, pretty good. I had a stress-free NFL Sunday without having to watch the Cowboys play. So normally when we do these on Sundays, I'm a little angry. Today, a little happy. Well, yeah. Pretty good Sunday. Well, you, you know, you guys uh, got it done on Thursday, so that's that's good for you guys. Um, we were able to go and, and get some tickets uh, from our people uh, over at WFNZ, who I want to thank once again for hooking us up. And we were there in attendance for the NC State game. You know, what did you think of the performance in the state game from this team? We'll just start out with your initial reactions. Uh, I think it was another game that's been like every game all year. Shouldn't play a full 60 minutes. Defense played great in the first half, and the second half couldn't stop NC State, whereas the offense couldn't move the ball at all in the first half. Too many drop passes, and then the mm-hmm. second half we looked uh, like a, a different offense. We were able to throw the ball down the field, and then ultimately just got into overtime, and Gillespie just tack, uh, capped off his career day to get a uh, touchdown to beat us. So just another disappointing loss that was the 2018 season. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. You know, you look at all the, you know, again, fought back, took the lead. Um, you know, a fantastic game, I thought, for the most part, from Cade Fortin. I think uh, in the first half, you know, he was 7 of 21. There were a couple of misconnections, but I think for the most part, he really did a good job with most of his throws. They just really weren't able to haul the ball in. Something that, you know, we were kind of, a little bit discouraged by because when you look at it, we were saying coming in, you know, this wide receiving core is a really good one. We thought maybe one of the better ones that we've had, um, you know, in Larry's time on campus. And 
you know, when we look at it, it, yesterday really wasn't what you would expect from them. Some guys with some some drops that just left you scratching your head. Um, but a lot of the guys are, are younger players, and I think they'll get those ironed out. And really, they got them ironed out in the second half, like you said, once the field was able to dry out. It looked like the football was a lot drier as well because the passes look a lot looked a lot more crisp. The receivers were able to haul them in. And um, I thought overall, you know, the offense showed some signs that they're going to be able to take a step forward next year. Really liked what I saw from quarterback Cade Fortin getting his second career start. This time, actually able to play out the entirety of the game. I mean, this is the first time all year that we have not had to see Nathan Elliott in a game. He played in all 11 of the games before, or excuse me, all 10 of the games before that. Um, And then yesterday... Cade Fortin took us the entire way, and I thought it looked pretty good for the most part. Um, you know, I, I also thought Javante Williams had a great game, brings some excitement. I mean, he's the fourth leading rusher on the team, and he's the guy that's going to be coming in off the hottest finish to the season. Over 200 yards rushing for four running backs in the backfield, all four of the guys of which are going to return next season. Um, so I think there's a lot to be encouraged about with this team. I think defensively, you know, yeah, they did have some trouble stopping the run. I think part of that was because they really just weren't able to rotate guys into the game because a lot of the guys that they would have been rotating in don't have a lot of experience because there are so many injuries. You got guys that are very young that are the backups, the the experience depth for this defense as the season went along was just honestly not all that great. Um, you know, it, it was a question, I think, coming into the year at linebacker, and that question really didn't come up for the linebacking core. It became more of a problem for the defensive line and the defensive back. So I, I thought, you know, overall, I, I think, you know, going up against State's offensive line as well, who was graded out midseason as the best offensive line in uh, the ACC by pro football focus. Um, you know, it, it makes a little bit of sense why some of the things that happened did, but at the same time, you're right. The inability to close down games once again gets to them and they end up falling to two and nine. Of course, after the game, I'll ask you this real quick. And then I think we're going to try to move on pretty quickly just to focus on the bigger story at hand, but we saw the fight at the end of the game, you know, when, you know, looking back at it, I mean, is is this something that, you know, I, I mean, what were your takeaways from the fight? Are you really just ashamed or, or, or is this, you know, something that you think just happens in rivalry games like this? Yeah, I think it was more the, the whole rivalry aspect. We, we finished 2-9. and nine. You, you have a team win on your home field for the third straight year. Um, a lot of those guys, their last time playing, some raw emotions, and there were probably some words that were said that, Maybe, they, maybe a state guy or even one of our guys took it way too far. You know, it's just, I mean, I'm not going to say it's unfortunate because that's the thing with rivalries. Um, it's going to happen from time to time. Um, I just think it was a fitting way to end the season with just how undisciplined this team has been at times, and, and they showed it again once the, the clock hit zero. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, you, you say what you want about who started it, but I think, uh, yeah, no, I, it, it really did get out of control. Um, you know, I question the way that both coaches handled it. It seemed like both coaches were more focused on going towards midfield and shaking hands than they were trying to run in and break up the fight. Um, that could be 
you know, definitely evidenced in the post game by the fact that, I mean, Larry Fedora said that he didn't see a fight. He said no one was fighting. So, uh, I, I mean, take that for, for what you must. Um, but you know, yeah, it got, uh, it got pretty heated there. I thought, um, you know, for the most part, um, you got to hand it to the staffs of both sides outside of the head coaches. They really did try to do a, I mean, they did a pretty good job breaking it up. I mean, it takes a lot to break up that many guys fighting. Um, you got to think there's about 75 guys on each sideline and they were all out on the field. So I thought for the most part, they got it broken up pretty quickly. Um, I thought the fact that there were, I mean, there were some state fans who had made their way, more state students that had made their way into the student section, and there were a few that were leaning over and trying to get involved in the fight. Um, that is ridiculous, and um, that's definitely something that they need to definitely take a look at because uh, if you're, I mean, if you're North Carolina, you don't want anybody in the student section getting involved because that can turn into something that is totally worse than what you originally imagined. And that's the main thing um, that you want to protect. You want to be able to protect the fans. And, um, you know, but for the most part, I think, you know, it, it was, you know, it, it's it's a rivalry. Things like this are going to happen. Um, I don't think it needed to go to that point. Remember, um, two years ago, we were actually at the game on Black Friday when uh, the two teams came together just before halftime, really just more of exchanging pleasantries. Um, no punches were actually thrown, maybe just a little bit of pushing and shoving. This one, totally different. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I, I think that, um, you know, they, they were able to stop it relatively quickly and make sure that nothing, uh, no, no severe injuries or anything happened. Um, one last thing that I will ask you, though, is there any concern from you as to maybe some of the guys being suspended at the start of next year due to the fallout from this fight? Uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. I think it'd be too hard to identify how many guys threw a punch. Um, you know, will they even be back next year? So I think they'll just, they'll let it, you know, play over. Um, and it, it'll all be forgotten about come next Saturday when State's playing, whoever they're playing in their 12th game, and then with it be a championship Saturday. I think the ACC office has more bigger things to deal with than two rivals. Uh, throwing some punches at the end of a football game. Yeah, so um, with that, the loss uh, closes out the 2018 season for the Tar Heels. Uh, they will not play a 12th game. And, you know, we kind of knew that, uh, that, you know, really, I would say probably within the last couple of weeks. But we definitely knew that last uh, earlier last week when Bubba Cunningham said, you know, uh, this will be the final game of the year because we feel like, you know, everybody's just kind of saying, let's get this over with. Um, definitely not something you wanted to hear from your athletic director. Uh, but honestly, at this point, probably what everyone was thinking. So the Heels will finish the 2018 season at 2-9. and nine. Their two wins, of course, coming against Pittsburgh earlier in the year. And then last week against Western Carolina. And then... Uh, we will do a wrap-up show to cover, um, you know, the, the entirety of the season, kind of break down uh, the position groups and who's going to be back next year, look at, you know, maybe some of our overall grades for each position group and, and give you a little bit of a recap on the season. But 
we have to turn to the most important storyline that broke this morning. It actually kind of broke last night, but was made official this morning inside Carolina last night. Greg Barnes over at Inside Carolina was the lead reporter last night who reported that Larry Fedora was on his way out of Chapel Hill. His firing was imminent, was what they had said. And this morning, um, after what was perceived to be a meeting between Bubba Cunningham and Carol Folt, the two decided that they would call Larry Fedora in and officially relieved him of his duties as the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels. So, Larry Fedora's tenure will end in Chapel Hill after a career that saw seven years in Chapel Hill. Saw him go 45-43, and 43, win two ACC Coastal Championships, and head to the ACC Championship game one time. Of course, losing that ACC Championship in 2015 to the eventual national runner-up, Clemson Tigers, 45-37. to Of course, they would drop their bowl game, but a historic season in which they went 11-3. and You know, when you, when you look back on the Larry Fedora tenure, I mean, what is the overall mindset that you have about, you know, what we saw from Larry? Is, is it a good one? Is this going to be a guy that leaves a an overall good-lasting impression to you, or you know, maybe did the last couple of years kind of taint that? No, I think you know, you'll look at his seven years as a as a positive time for the most part. Ultimately, you know, the last two years, five wins wasn't good enough, but he, this was a guy who, when he took the job, took the job at a time where there were so many question marks with NCAA that it was almost an unwanted job. Um, he stayed after his first year when there was rumors that Tennessee wanted him when they were looking for a head coach. And I think we can all agree Tennessee is a much better job than North Carolina. Um, yes. At the time that LSU and Florida had openings. So this is the guy that was committed to the program that he was building in Chapel Hill. Um, so that he, you know, he showed to be a, a good leader of the guys in the field uh, that were playing for him. You know, he ultimately took the program to the first, their first ever conference championship game appearance, um, set numerous records on offense, which he promised once he took the job. Ultimately, his downfall, he could never build a defense to keep up with an offense. Mm-hmm. And once the offense kind of, I guess, fizzled out, it was really his undoing. But for the most part, I'll think of his seven years as, for us as Carolina fans, was you know, it was fun for the most Saturdays to turn the team on. Knew they were going to give us a good product, um, and 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 he won like no one's ever won here before. So ultimately, I was pleased with the first five years. Ultimately, the last two got him canned, but for the most part, I would I would take those seven years of Carolina football. Yeah, I'm right with you. Um, I think that Bubba Cunningham put it about as perfect as you could put it. You got to thank Larry for, first of all, coming in and taking the job back in 2012 in a period that really for North Carolina football was uncertain. We really didn't know what was next for this program after Everett Withers. We didn't know maybe if Everett Withers was going to be the guy. Um, But at the time, you know, we, we saw a guy at Southern Miss who 
you know, came off a great year, took that program to new heights and thought, you know, maybe we should express some interest in him. Um, you know, at the time, you know, that, that was probably one of those jobs that, you know, in the past was seen as a solid job at that time. That was probably a job that I don't think anybody really wanted to touch because they knew with the NCAA violations, it was going to be hard to recruit there. It was going to be hard to win there as a result of that. So, you know, when I, when I look back on his tenure, I think, you know, he came in his first year and a lot of people aren't going to remember this because he didn't end up having the, I mean, he, he didn't have the ability to play in the ACC championship game or a bowl game because of the postseason ban from the, uh, from, from the Butch Davis era. Um, you know, I, I think yeah, I, a lot of people are probably going to give me slack for this. Um, but I think, you know, he brought this program to heights that I don't think were possible um, after Mac Brown. And a lot of people are going to say, well, you've got to look at what Butch Davis did. And they'll point to that year in 2010 where we were ranked 18th in the country, played LSU in the opener, and many people thought an outside chance to be in contention maybe to make a BCS goal, if everything went crazy, maybe make a national championship game. I, I don't know how realistic those expectations were, but at the same time, that team came in ranked 18th in the country. During Larry's tenure, you got to remember, during that 2015 season, and, and say whatever you want about how weak the schedule was, he won 11 straight games. I mean, this guy got this team all the way up to 8th in the country. Um. You know, that's not an easy feat to achieve, especially with a team that if you look at a lot of the teams towards the top of the country, the talent level of the guys on that Carolina team, specifically on defense, were not of an eighth-ranked team in the country. But at that time, they were playing like the eighth-ranked team in the country. So for him to even have them remotely close to that is amazing. And then I think one of the other things that people have to realize is that, and again, Bubba Cunningham mentioned this in his uh, speech about the firing and moving in the different direction. Um, you know, this was a guy that never gave up. He could have given up multiple times. 2013 season, start out one and five win a game against Boston College to get things going back in the right direction, then lose your starting quarterback in Bryn Renner and have to put in Marquise Williams, who you really didn't know a whole lot about. How, does they, how do they respond? They reel off four consecutive wins with Marquise Williams at quarterback, winning five of the last six overall, and he gets his only bowl win. Um, then in 2014, similar start. Start the season two and four rebound to make a bowl game granted they did get beat pretty badly but still six and seven and then I mean 2016 was you know a, a year that started out well and that was where I think things started to downfall but even in 2017 and 2018 how many times did you actually sit here and say going into a game 
We have a 0% chance to win this game. To be honest, I can't really think of a time. Just about every time you at least thought in the back of your mind, maybe this is one of those times where Larry pulls something out of the hat because we've seen it before. And one of the other things that a lot of people will always say about him, well, you know, he never really won big games. Well, I mean, just go back to the 2016 season. Even the 2015 season had a big win on the road at Pittsburgh. But in the 2016 season, went in and beat a Florida State team that was at the time ranked 12th in the country. And then uh, two weeks later, after losing the game to Virginia Tech and a spot where you would think you could fall apart after getting dismantled at home, having to play in a hurricane, instead they decided that, no, we're going to pick ourselves up, came out, beat Miami on the road, who was ranked 16th in the country at the time. So, look, I think overall, I, the 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 look around the Larry Fedora era is going to be a grim one nationally because a lot of people will say, well, look at the end of the tenure and you, you, you sit here and tell me that this guy did good things for Carolina. As a Tar Heel fan or anyone that covers the team, and this is most of the people out there are admitting this, and it's good. His tenure overall was a good one. People should think of Larry Fedora in a good mindset. And I'm going to tell you right now, if Larry Fedora comes back to Chapel Hill and is at a game and they put him on the big screen, he deserves a standing ovation because this guy came in in a tough time, did what he did, had some success. Things didn't end the way that we wanted them to or that Larry wanted them to. That's the other thing that I don't think people realize if you think that this is how Larry wanted to go out, you are off your rocker. Something is clearly wrong with you because no coach wants to go out that way. I commend Larry for everything that he did for this university, for giving us a good face for as many years as he did. And for me, I wish Larry the best success wherever he goes. And, you know, we can eventually maybe down the line discuss that. Um, you know, we, we had a couple of ideas about where he could possibly go, but, you know, at, at this time, I think it's just good to leave it where it's at, and hopefully Larry will be able to land on his feet. All right, guys, so this segment was supposed to be where we decided, or, or we put on the table the coaches that we wanted going forward to potentially run this football program, but instead, Carolina went a bit off script from us. We've called Bubba. He has since ignored our repeated messages. And uh, he has, uh, and, and that's mostly because he has been bringing in Mac Brown as the new head coach of the Tar Heels. Uh, this will be Mac Brown's, of course, second stint with the Tar Heels. Of course, came back um, to Chapel Hill after uh, his stint there, uh, 1998 to 19, or 1988 to 1997. Uh, got the 90s in my head there. Um, but yeah, no, uh, he is back in Chapel Hill and ready to go. Um, his introductory press conference was today. We'll discuss that a little bit later on, but we've got to get into a little bit of a, a debate here. Um, the best of friends that we are, we do have a disagreement on, on, uh, on one portion of this. 
And, um, you know, it's, it's really, I think for both of us, you know, where, where the debate lies is around the timetable of the hiring. And so, um, you know, as we sit here and, and discuss this tonight, um, you know, I mean, you, did you think that it was a sufficient amount of time to narrow it down and bring in Mac Brown? You know, when we were doing the podcast the other night, we were on here preaching they need to be patient, they need to do their due diligence. Right. So clearly this move doesn't, you know, check that totally box. Totally contradicts that. Yes. And even though I was of the opinion of, yeah, I wanted Mac Brown, let's take a week or two weeks. That's what I thought. And bring him in. But I think he brought up the best point today in his press conference, why I moved so fast. Why did you feel the need once it was offered to talk it over with your wife and meet with Bubba, the board, the chancellor? They have signing day in three weeks. And that that's that's a big factor in this hire is, okay, you, you already knew going into the, the recruiting season as it was winding down, you, your class wasn't where it was going to need to be. So you needed to make a hire regardless of who it was quickly to try to solidify that class, and then you get the name that he is. I think that was really the driving force, really for him as a coach, was because he still knows the how college football works and that how um, big last year the early signing period was, where like I think it was like over seventy five percent of the class signed in December, as opposed to February. So I think that was the 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 big reason why they moved at such a fast manner. I mean that makes sense. But my concern with it is, is right now you've got no coordinators with you. Nobody. And the guys that are rumored to be his favorites to come with him are both free agents. And he said in his press conference today, he has not had a conversation with anybody. Um, how is that even possible? My, my thing is, is why would you not give him time, maybe just a couple of days, to get a staff together and maybe in that time period you do end up interviewing somebody else um you know these young coaches there there are a lot of good guys out there um i feel like the one that everybody turns to is satterfield i like scott satterfield i think that he was definitely a good candidate but i think there were other candidates too that maybe you could have fallen in love with as well because you brought up a good point that you know he's only coached at app state so a, a decent amount of people have had success there, although, you know, before him, it was Jerry Moore, and look at how long he was there. So it's it's not guaranteed that, you know, everybody would have success. Maybe they've just landed back-to-back -back really good coaches, and that's very possible. Um, you know, I thought Satterfield was one of the guys that you would definitely take a hard look at just because he could be that next Mac Brown type. Um, maybe that stays there even longer than Mac Brown does. Maybe turns it into a 12 to 15 year job because of its connection to the area. He's from Hillsboro, right down the road from Chapel Hill. He's got in-state ties right now. One of the big concerns with Mac Brown and the staff that he's going to be bringing with them is what recruiting ties do they really have? Right now, you've got Mac Brown, who's been out of the game for six years. Gene Chizik, who's been on and off the field since 2012 as a coach. And... You know, I mean, the thing is, is look, I don't think Mac Brown's reputation is that bad. What is Gene Chizik's reputation? This is a guy that, I mean, how are you going to sell yourself to kids on the recruiting trail when most of them will probably come back and tell you, well, coach, you 
recruited at North Carolina, and you were only there for two years before stepping away. So what's to say you don't do that again to us? Um, and, and that's the thing. Uh, you know, I think that Mac Brown's name, this was something that we talked about as well. You know, I wonder how quick of an impact, you know, how quick the impact will be felt, though. How many of these kids actually know Mac Brown by name? He's been on SportsCenter every Saturday for six years. But do you actually think that a lot of these guys will look at him with the same respect as a guy, as guys in the area that are recruiting them, like Dabo Sweeney, like Nick Saban, like uh, even some of these other younger coaches around here that have been in the game, that have been, uh, you know, coaching for the last six years while Mac Brown has not? He beat a team that was maybe the greatest college football team ever won a national championship. I agree he, with that. When he beat USC, so... But I think that wasn't his last year. I think people think that he's been – he hasn't coached in six years, but it's like he said. He's been at practices every day for six years. He admitted today he is understanding the way that today's football works with the innovation on offense, the aggressive style that you, you've got to play with because that's, that's football now. You've got to be aggressive. Conservative doesn't work anymore. He understands the challenges defensively with the rules, but – Look at his teams at Texas. Even the Big 12 was already in that shootout. Like, it was already getting there when he left, and now it's gone even worse. Texas was still formidable defensively. If Carolina's formidable defensively, and they're where they should be on offense, this team could be in Charlotte next year for a, playing for a championship. And that's not me being a homer. That's just a fact because of how bad our side of the division is. So... I think I'm not. I know people are aware that he took six years off. I saw a man today that is 68 years old, but looks energized, understands the challenge that he has before him. He's he's won here. He understands the the challenge that is winning football here. And you gotta think when he was coaching here, he didn't have the Keenan Center on the end zone of of Keenan. He didn't have an indoor practice facility. Now he does. That's only gonna help him as he tries to bring back the talent he needs to win at Carolina. How long does the energy last, though, is the question. Does he keep that same energy for this year, and then that's it? Does he keep that energy for five, all five years of his contract? I mean, I, I, that that's the one thing that also – I mean, that's a thing. Look at he's 68 years old. Nick Saban's 67, though. Established program, totally different. Not but even close to the same thing. I'm not worried about age. I mean, age has to be a factor when you're coming in and reestablishing something. It's going to take you four years to get a full recruiting cycle I don't, in. I don't, I don't think he's looking to reestablish. Like he said, we just got to fix a couple things. because, And he credited for So he's going to completely adjust his coaching style. That's what he's got to do. He's got to completely adjust because you're going to have to play the way that the kids are, are basically going to want to play. He said he's going to be innovative. So if he's if you're admitted to be innovative, I don't think you're gonna now when he was at Texas when he of multiple when they split ways, they were running a spread up tempo and doing kind of the newer stuff. I think you'll see that, especially next year, because that's the way the roster's built. But I do think you're gonna see him um and you know, we talked the last couple pods of recruiting wise, you gotta start building depth defensively because this yep. team has nothing. I think he's smart enough to realize that. And to understand, okay, yes, we have players on offense, but we got to get some depth defensively. And that's not going to happen for next well, year. Well, I mean, not going to happen. You, With you, 11 guys committed right now in the 2019 class, like, look, it, maybe, 
Maybe he works a miracle, but it's going to have to be a fantastic turnaround because the thing is, is that with you now having this early signing period, most of the guys that are committed to you end up signing their letter of intent early. We saw it last year. It's not like in the past where half of your class still remains, you know, committed, but hasn't signed their letter of intent. So you have time to flip these guys. And a lot of the guys, especially a lot of the guys in the state where he's going to want to do most of his recruiting, they're going to end up signing early. They're going to sign with State. They're going to sign with East Carolina. They're going to sign with Duke. So where does he end up making up ground is the question. I think you got to look at, and this isn't always a fixable option, you, you probably look at JUCOs or for at least the first year because he only right. has – and and to and look for some programs they they turn those out like nothing. He only has three weeks. If if the recruiting cycle goes as it was last year, everyone's going to sign. Pretty early. much, yeah. I think, and he said it today. Look, we got to get in these homes and ask him. Hey, be patient. Just give us some time. Let me get to. And and I think he'll get a staff together by the end of the week at, at the latest because I think he understands. Look, we got to have that in place because if not. It's only going to be harder for us to sell kids on coming here this year. Um, so you probably look at JUCOs, and you probably, I'm like, you know, you, you just you stress, give us time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you might not, you might want to enroll in January, but maybe we don't think you're ready in January. Maybe it's better for you to come in the in in the in the spring. So I think I think eventually. Over time, it'll it'll work itself out. Whether it's JUCOs, whether it's just we don't sign a lot in December, but we sign a lot in the back half in February. I do think eventually his name is going to have to get to get at least you know fixed recruiting where it was going into the season. Yeah, I, I mean he's a Hall of Famer, so there's definitely a chance. You just wonder, you know, is the name still as popular as it was when he left the sport back in 2013? As as a coach, again, he did not completely leave the sport, but at the same time, what everybody's going to compare it to is John Gruden, which is a terrible comparison anyways. Um, that was one of the comparisons that I saw people on Twitter using for most of the ones that were trying to be dejectors. Again, got to keep, um, keep in mind that John Gruden has not even completed a full year in Oakland. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I, I, I wonder – you know, for, for Mac, you know, with the, it's, to me, it really depends on the staff that he puts around him. This is not a job that he can do by himself. And you mentioned, you know, he's, he's, you think he's going to have a staff by the end of the week. Um, I, I think there's a chance. I don't know for certain if that's going to happen because the problem is a lot of these guys that he's chasing after are going to be playing in, um, com- in, in championship uh, games, as well as one of the guys that he is chasing after, Jay Bateman, the defensive coordinator at Army, is going to be playing in the Army-Navy game. Um, so I wonder just how fast this will move along. Um, and here's the thing. You know, defensive coordinator to me is not a concern because I like both of the names that I've seen. I actually like Bateman a little bit more than I like Chizik because he's been there He's, I mean, I mean, you got to think. Chizik's coached what two years out of the last seven. So, and again, you know, I mentioned it earlier. What is his? I mean, I mean, how do people view him on the recruiting trail? Do they view him as a guy that is trustworthy right now? Do they view him as a guy that's hardworking? 
We don't know. Well, I think, and there's been some guys that we saw on Twitter that have connections to the program as a booster or whatever, that undoubtedly the understanding was when he took the job back in 2015, it was going to be just for a few years, and then he was going to step away to see his kids through high school. His kids are gone now. So, you know, he's the same with Matt Brown. He hasn't lost that desire to coach because that's that's their life. He spent time with some family. I think, and I think also now, I think Matt Brown's going to value defense a little bit more than Larry Fedora did. Well, I agree with that. Anybody and so I think should. it'll just be easier for him to to go recruiting and, and put in the work in the film room and at practice because you understand that that side of the ball is going to be stressed. It's going to be valued because as good as Mac Brown's teams were on offense, they were good defensive teams because they always had that balance. So, um, but I, you know, I'm with you. I think, I think the question is, is who, who's the offensive coordinator? I that's, think, that's the concern you know, right now. And, 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 because, and, and I'll say this really quickly, the guy that everybody thinks is coming is not coming. I am willing to bet. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm willing to bet my first paycheck in radio on the fact that Cliff Kingsbury will not be the offensive coordinator. Well, the problem is... He's going to be an NFL coordinator, or he is going to Alabama when they lose Mike Loxley, which looks possible, Ohio State when they lose Ryan Day, which looks possible, and now being linked to USC after they fired T. Martin. So, I, I mean, let's be real. Do you think our job is more attractive than them? In a way, yes, and here's why. And I told you this on Twitter today. Oh, my gosh. He... Matt Brown has the same role, I believe, that Roy Williams has. He's back. He's going to fix the program. And when he decides that he's done, he'll probably have a very large voice in who takes over. And I think that could be a pitch to Kingsbury. Hey, you're innovative on offense. We have a we have at least you know one, two or two quarterbacks that we think we can win with, maybe more. Um, we're loaded at running back, wide receiver. The offensive line's coming back intact, so we should be okay on offense. And you're going to put up 45 anyway because of what you did at Texas Tech. But I think Matt Brown could use them as, hey, look, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tutor you. I'm going to teach you some things that you didn't really get an opportunity to learn because your offenses were were so good so quickly that Texas Tech, he probably was a head coach before he was ready to be a head coach. And maybe he understands that and he'll be willing to take a coordinator position. If and if Matt Brown's willing to to tutor you and teach you the ropes of how to run a, a, a successful football program inside and out from every day, I think he's willing to listen. Do I think he comes here ultimately? Probably not. But here's another thing. If you looked at uh, Matt Brown's contract, he's not making any much more than Larry Fedora did. So, And I think part of that was when he's he – He's making said, a little less, yeah, he's making, yeah, exactly. I think part of that was when he decided that, okay, if I'm coming back, I need more money for assistance. Because when he left, that was a big part of the reason. They weren't going to pay the guys that helped him win. He stressed in his press conference that they have to be – the assistant coaches are going to have to be crucial to our success. Well, part Something of that, you, that they didn't value during Larry Fedora's exactly. tenure. Good and, point. And money's going to talk there because these guys want to get paid. Yeah. And if and if, if the boosters and the and the AD in general are willing to give them money, then, then you can get any name because money talks. Yeah, I, I mean, the thing is, I mean, with Kingsbury, uh, the pitch that's going to be made from guys like Nick Saban and uh, Urban Meyer, look, okay, you won't take over these programs, 
But look what we're doing with our guys right now. Look what we did with Kirby Smart. Look what we've done with even Mike Loxley, who, let's be brutally honest, was absolute garbage at New Mexico. He is one of the worst coaches I think I've ever seen at a major college football program. And he ends up now potentially being back in the coaching game and taking over a head coaching role. Look at Mario Cristobal, who was on his staff. That's the thing. So I I, I think you, you've got a point. And if Kingsbury really looks at North Carolina and says, this is a place that I could see myself being at, maybe he thinks, okay, there is some fertile recruiting ground here. I could really make an impact. And this could be the place that I could have some really good success at. Then it makes sense. But if he's looking to move himself up the coaching ranks and you know I think that's very possible because of how good of an offensive mind he really is anybody that denies that I don't care what his tenure at Texas Tech looked like anybody that denies that Cliff Kingsbury is not a good offensive mind does not watch the game of football he is a genius the man had a season at Texas Tech in which his offense threw for 463 yards a game that is ridiculous. But the thing is, is it's like you said, you wouldn't, if you had to bet something on whether or not he was coming, you would say no. My question to everybody is, we've heard a few names at defensive coordinator. Who's the next guy that we hear at offensive coordinator? No one. The only one we're hearing right now is Kingsbury. So if we don't get him, then where do we go? I mean, that's the problem. We got, is is there another name that we know of? Is there another name? I mean, clearly Mac Brown has to have another name in his head. Yeah. I you mean, would think. Yeah, he said that he's like, look, I've been thinking about getting back into coaches since I got out. So, yeah, I have, I always have, okay, in my head, like, you know, he plays the game. Okay, so I piece together my staff. So he has guys. He, he has relationships. He said, quite frankly, some of these guys, I'm not going to name because they got stuff going on this week in terms of getting prepared for conference championship games. Um, I look at Cliff Kingsbury, and I, look, I know Alabama and Ohio State, but look, there's also discouraging factors there. You go to Alabama, you risk the, 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 the ability of getting fired the week of a national title game like Lane Kiffin did. If Saban just well, said— Kiffin got—no, look, Kiffin got fired because of his personality. Not because Kingsbury's a, a lot different of I'm a guy. I'm just saying. Okay, and then you look at Ohio State and Urban Meyer. Who the hell knows when he's just going to have a heart problem and quit? Who? I mean, there's, there's, there's. To me, I'd be more of him going to USC because Helton yeah. has to do something to, to save his ass. And the offensive talent at USC. Like, here's my other thing. I saw people that were saying the talent right now at Carolina is better than, like, what's coming back is just as comparable to what offense offensively Bama could be having coming back. That's moronic. Uh, yeah, Ohio State could have come back, which is still moronic, and USC would have come back, which is just as moronic. Um, I mean, look at look, look at those schools and the level that they recruit at. Look, do I this is not a knock on the talent at Carolina. The guys that we have coming back are a really really good group. But it's not going to compete with teams that are going to be in the national championship hunt year in and year out. We are not on that level right now. We're a 2-9 and nine football team. I don't think that if you say as Mac Brown, 
Well, I think our guys are just as talented as Ohio State's or USC's. Do you actually think that Cliff Kingsbury is going to believe that? No, probably not. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, we just gave him a contract to to entrust a program that he knows that he has a vision. Right. Um, we were both on board when we hired Larry Fedora, not knowing outside of maybe a game or two because we knew that he was an interest of in the job, mm-hmm. who he was, what we were getting when we hired him. I watched Mac Brown coach at Texas for my whole college football viewing life. I understand the kind of coach he is, the man he is. So I trust that even though this was a rush decision, whatever vision he sold them on, they're they are confident that it'll get done. I mean, he's seen right now as really an 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 overseer, um, just a guy that's going to come in and 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 sort of um, you know just kind of get these guys back in the right direction. Um, you know, I I think that's entirely possible. Uh, I think the the floor for him. Not quite as bad as I think some of these people think. There are some people that I truly believe think that this team will win one game or maybe no games with him there. Um, That's not going to happen. He's not that out of touch. That would maybe happen if he took 10 years off from coaching and literally sat in the mountains and never watched a single football game. Um, He hasn't done that. He's been around the game. I think he could win five to six games a year. But the expectations that I feel like a lot of Tar Heel fans have is that this guy is going to take us back to 10 wins a year or more. This guy could potentially put us in the national championship hunt. You need to reel it in just a little bit because at this point, it's going to be based on the coordinators that he surrounds himself with. Because say what you want. He's not going to have the energy to go out and recruit these guys like he did when he was back at Texas. That's 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 the age factor. That's how it works. I mean, it's it's true. And look, I mean, you made the comparison to Roy. No, it's totally different. Roy recruits what? what how many guys does Roy actually hone in on in a recruiting class and fo- and focus on at the level that you got to focus on some of these football recruits? What I, four or five? And I, th- I think basketball recruiting is harder. No way. Yes. Not even close. Because you only have a select few of guys to to recruit from, especially. But when you're, you're not Kara. on the road as often recruiting these guys. You can't recruit. Honestly, you can't recruit in season. Roy, because Roy? of the because of how often you've got to okay, be but at the you know in practice. How often you got to be going through games. But when they're in season, Roy Williams will go to 17 different cities in two weeks recruiting. Yeah, but I mean, Mac Brown's gonna have to go to that in what yeah. couple of? I mean, he's gonna be it's it's he's gonna not, be just as bad. He's not gonna have to because that's why you get the coordinators. That's why you bring in a if he brings in a complete staff. I think that was one of the things that hurt Larry was we never had enough. Now we, we got some now with like Thick Pen, known to prison pretty good. You know, we have some okay recruiters. Mac Brown can get elite recruiters to where you know when he has to go recruit when you're trying to flip Sam Howell to come. To leave Florida State to come, which to is not going to happen. By okay, the way. but I'm he just saying he is 100% committed to Florida State. I'm just no, no, no. Saying. I know, but I'm saying like that was some of the news that maybe people haven't seen. He's pretty much re-upped his commitment to Florida State. So as of this moment, they're more than likely out on it. Because like if people think that Saban and Sweeney and Meyer are on there grinding on the trail, you're idiots. 
They go on the trail when they when they they're sold on a guy that God like Christian because I gotta have that guy. Okay, I'm gonna go visit him. But no, and and I think it's what Mac is gonna do. You bring in those guys that do that work for you, and then you you're the one in you know in the film room and on the practice field helping elevate their games because the man can coach. Like that's that's clear. He didn't. You're not gonna lose the ability. To that's coach. why I I would have wanted them to wait though. For him to have those guys set in stone, or at least say, "Yeah, Mac, I'm really thinking about it." Right now, you've got nothing. Like apparently, he hasn't even talked to Kingsbury or Chiswick. So he said today he's got by, nothing. He said today by five o'clock he'll have a hell of a lot better understanding of where we are in terms of the roster than he did. I mean, that's better from nothing. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this man, I don't think he's screwing around. I think he means business. I think he's going to work his tail off no matter what it takes. He told his wife, you go on vacations all you want. I'm going to be here working. This isn't – I don't think this man's joking around. You don't get back into coaching oh, I don't think he is after either. six years to come here and win six games. I don't think he is either. I, I could tell you right from the press conference, and if, if you want, we can start to transition more to that. And this is, this is why I think – and, and see, this is the thing. This podcast is going to make it sound like I hate this hire. I do not hate this hire. This is very, very far from the worst hire that could have been made. There are so many other hire that There were so many other names that you could have taken a risk on. And potentially, it, it didn't end up working out. Guy like Luke Fickle at Cincinnati was one that I was really worried about. A hot a guy that's on fire this year, but really didn't get it done in previous seasons at Cincinnati. There's a few other guys that you could have gone with. Honestly, be real. I think this Mac Brown's a better hire than Les Miles at Kansas. I'm gonna I, I mean, let's be let's be honest here. Um but I think that, you know, most of the concern lies with the fact that this was a booster made decision and that it was basically a desperation move that the boosters felt that this had gotten to a point where, you know, there, there was almost no return unless you brought in um, a Mac Brown. They're, they're that desperate to win games, which I don't think they, they should have felt like that. There is talent on this team. Uh, I mean, look, this team lost six games by one possession or less. They lost eight games by 10 points or less this season. So they're not that far off. And, you know, maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe they just need a leader like Mac Brown and a quarterback to stay healthy like Cade Fortin or Jace Reuter. And by when I said a quarterback stay healthy, I mean a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field with more precision and accuracy than Nathan Elliott was able to. Um, and, and I think that's entirely possible. Um, you know, his press conference today definitely had some moments that made me say, okay, you know, if you, if for, I mean, if you're not on board, well then that's up to you. I mean, yeah, I might be, you know, there, there are some guys that I wish would have gotten interviews like Ryan Day, like Mel Tucker, but guess what? That's over. Now we got to focus on Mac Brown and what he's going to do for the program. And, you know, one of the big phrases that stuck out to me, one, one of the best quotes that I heard from him is he told the guys in the room, enjoy this holiday with your family because 
you're not going to enjoy this. You, you, you won't be doing that next year and because we want to win, and we want to win now. So, you know, clearly Mac Brown sees that there's talent here, which there is, like I said, and he thinks that he can bring in the pieces that can help these guys win now. Um, you know, I, I, I'd be encouraged by that. I don't think, I mean, if you're a Tar Heel fan and you're not encouraged by that, uh, I don't, I, I don't know. You might want to check your fan card because that's not good. Um, but there were some things that were concerning. Like I mentioned with, you know, the talks about the staff, um, you know, re- really the concerns about some of the recruiting, you know, I, I understand he wants to reestablish, you know, the connections here in North Carolina. He says that he does have good connections with some of the high school coaches in the area. That's good. But honestly, how many of those coaches that were there back in the 90s are still coaching at these high schools? A lot of the high school coaches now are a lot younger. Um, but, you know, he does have some good connections. And I think one of the other things that people have to realize is that let's say if he does bring Dre Bly on his staff, which is very possible. I've talked to Dre before, and he told me, um, I actually talked to him at the WFNG draft party last year, and he told me that he had talked to Larry Fedora multiple times about coming in and being the defensive backs coach. So there is a very high possibility that he could be coaching defensive backs at Carolina next season. Um, He's a guy that has connections in the Charlotte area, some of the best out there. So that would definitely help. You got a guy like Natron Means who's been in this area for a long, long time and now is coaching at Winston-Salem State. There's a chance he could come in and take over as the running backs coach, which, you know, I I don't know exactly how I feel about that because I do like Robert Gillespie. I think either either way, you really wouldn't be wrong with going with either one of them. You'd just feel bad for the other guy. But the question is, is you know, how much do those old connections – pay off for Mac Brown and how quickly does it pay off for Mac Brown? Yeah. Because even if you don't think age is a concern right now, it's got to start to become a concern at some point, does it not? I think the recruiting, the in-state will be fixed mainly number one because Larry Fedora pissed off the majority of every elite high school in this state where we were not welcome to show up to show interest in a player. So that's going to get fixed Right away, because Mac Brown isn't going to, you know, he comes across as, as a, I'm going to say a, a less dorky Roy Williams. Or like, you know, he has the 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 the, the father folksy kind of guy. There's a country boy who loves his sport. And so, you know, he said it today. When, when I go into recruits' home, I'm taking the most important thing from that family's home, and it's my responsibility. I think I think we're going to be more accountable with these players and not having some of the stuff gone off the field like we had this past summer. Um, I'm telling you, the age you're going to have to get back because he just seems too fired up to, to to think that this. I don't I don't see the candle burning because I think he honestly believes he can win like he did here before. Um, as he said, in, as with your quote, we we we're going to win and we're going to win now. How can you say that? I'm a winner. Everywhere he's gone, he's won. Um, you, they've lost, what, you said seven games by possession or less? 
So six. six. Yeah, six by so possession normally, or less, eight by ten points. Normally in sports, unless you're the Hornets, that kind of crap flip-flops the other way. Well, we thought it was going to flip-flop from 2017 to this year, and it didn't. And a lot of that is the coaching. Is coaching. Now, That's true. someone tried to tell me today that was all players. No, that, a lot of that is coaching. These players are going to be coaching, co- coaching in depth. Yeah, depth this, is depth. Depth is a big problem. This team's going to be coached better. They're going to be coached harder. They're going oh, to be I agree with that. Smarter. I agree with all three of those. And if and if if you've cut out the turnovers and the stupid penalties, and these guys are receptive to the coaching, if the players buy into what a Hall of Famer is telling them, then and I told you that this team will play in an AC in an ACC championship game before he retires or does whatever again. I firmly believe that. Whether it's because the Coastal's that bad, I think it's more because I think he's that damn good, and we're going to get the right kind of guys around us to get the program back to winning 9-10 to 10 games on a more consistent basis. Yeah, well, yeah, I, it's it's a fair point, and I'm going to tell you right now, I hope you're right. And I think there is a definite possibility that you're right. Um, you know, this, this could go, I, I wouldn't say really bad, um... I, I think it could go – we, we could be in about the same spot, maybe a little bit better. Um, but ultimately, what I think the main goal of this hire is to do, and I hope this is what ends up happening, um, is to make this job more attractive in five to six years when more than likely Mac Brown will probably step aside as coach and will probably become athletic director. More than I mean, that's pretty much what people think at this point is that he will probably end up taking that job because he's going to want to hang around here, and he will, you know, be that guy that can help handpick the coach. Um, you know, whether that's a guy that's on his staff at the time or if that's a guy that is somewhere else, you know, it will be interesting. One of the things that I wanted to point out is a lot of people said, "Well, we didn't want to go with a group of five coach as our head coach." Well, where did they get Mac Brown from? Group of five, his first time around in Tulane. So if you think that going forward, because everybody says, well, that's where we got Larry from. So you're never going to go into the group of five to get another head coach? Well, I think a lot of this, A, the decision to bring bring back Mac Brown for Bubba Cunningham was the safest thing to do. This is by far the biggest decision he has made and will make as the AD at North Carolina because you decided to fire Larry Fedora. Whether the boosters or not, you're the one that ultimately had to call him into your office and say, dude, we're going, you're done. So this was very important because the basketball situation is out of his hands. Right. So you, you, you can't afford – you get this wrong, that's your job, more likely than not. I think this was the safe pick that – like you said, you bring the guy in. This isn't a whole rebuild. I think if you're going back to the group of five, it's more of a rebuild because that guy's going to bring in all of his stuff. And Mac Brown's going to do that too, but I think Mac Brown said, look, I'm here to fix things because there's there's good stuff here that just needs to be fixed and maybe, I guess, a, you know, a little a little engine tune-up to the way the, the program's run. And you give him a five-year contract to let him get that done. And like you said, when he steps aside and whether he becomes – Associated AD or just has a a, a spot on uh, at university, he he's left the program to where other guys will look at. And say, yeah, I want that job, mm-hmm. 
And it's not just we're having to go to a group of five guy who's had a who won the Conference USA for the first time in his career. I think that's the goal. Well, I mean, this is this would be, and we'll try to start wrapping this up here. But this this is one of the concerns that I've heard. What if he's basically just delaying the inevitable? What if he is delaying a rebuild? Would you not want to get this out of the way now rather than push this off for five years? to basically hire a group of five coach to do what you could have done this time with Satterfield, with Latrell, with Day, with any of these guys? I think if Matt Brown thought this was a rebuild or this program was close to rebuild, he wouldn't have taken the job. As much as he said, look, this is one place I'd come back to coach, other than, of course, like Austin. He's just not going to say that in his press conference because of there's still emotional feelings for when he left the first time. So he's not going to say that. But, like, mm-hmm. if Texas ever said, hey, we want you back, I'm for sure he'd take the job because it's Texas. You don't say no to Texas. He was there the longest out of any of, any of his tenures. So, yes, he exactly. clearly has a connection. So that that's my feeling is if if he thought this program was about the point, like when Butch, when Butch got here, that, yeah, we need a, a complete overhaul of how we were doing things, he would have said, you know what, thanks for the, the phone call. I'll help you find your next guy. I'm not interested. Because, you know, as much as I say his, I'm not worried about his age, I don't think a 68-year-old man would want to get involved in a, in a complete overhaul. Yeah. I mean, you you got a point there. One of the other points that I think some people were thinking about as well is we don't know all of the guys that are on the market. What happens if a guy like Gus Malzahn is fired from Auburn or a guy like Jim Harbaugh is fired from Michigan? Is there any regret at that point to – I mean, you're, you were a big Jim Harbaugh guy. I'm not going to lie. You wear khakis on Sunday we don't talk, or Saturdays. We don't talk about that. But Yeah, I mean, I love Jim Harbaugh as much as I've loved maybe any other coach other than the coaches my team in college football. It killed me to see him get beat again on Saturday by Urban Meyer. I think if the point came to where he got fired from Michigan, left for Michigan, left Michigan, he's going back to the NFL. Because I think that's, you know, like if he's coaching in college, it's either his alma mater or because he's more of a pro kind of coach with just his attitude and his demeanor. So the Gus Malzahn thing, another guy that, you know, we're – would think could be more successful here because of the nature of our right. conference versus the SEC. You don't have Alabama, who has you. Don't, you don't have to recruit against Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, uh, Kirby Smart, all those guys. Um, ultimately, I think I saw today where they're they're making a deal to where he's making changes to a staff, but he's staying in place for at least another year. But I, I think I would still like more of Mac Brown than, than Gus Malzahn at the point, just because I think he understands the program, and the program isn't. There, there's more commitment now than there was when he was here 20 years ago. Okay, yeah, I, I think that's – I don't know. It's I think so, but at the same time, I still don't know just how committed they actually are to the football program. I think this, this shows that they're committed to the football program because this hire is to win now. If they weren't committed, I'm not like these people that think they weren't committed to the program because they just gave in to the Rams club. They may have, and I don't, but I don't think that's the reason that they made this move. They want to win now, and they think Mac Brown is the guy it, that it, can do that. That's what Bubba Cunningham's thinking is. Exactly. Um, and, and look, and look, Mac said it plenty of times. You we you can win at the highest level here, but he also understands 
And this is something I, you know, I've always thought his best recruiting tool that he has when he goes and he sells North Carolina to a recruit. I can get you inside the Spencer to watch the greatest rivalry in college basketball. He if you come, talked about that today. He if, said that's how he landed one of the recruits. Yes, uh, if Greg you come, Black, I believe. If you come play for me, I think he's more receptive to understanding I've got to sell basketball more than he was in 90. And I get that. You got you got to sell the university in general yes, as opposed and, to just the football and, 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 and that's what I think he can do better than any other candidate you have because he, he's been there. He's still been around campus since he left. Yeah, Jake Lawrence of um, Tar Heel Blog, is it not? Is it Tar? See, I don't want I don't want to say because I, think, I get I, think... them, I get them mixed up. There's so many out there. Um, but he actually wrote an article today, and he mentioned that in there. Um, you know, Larry. First of all, which which this just blows me away. How you could be a coach and not go out and around campus at all. He said he told Jones Angel last summer he hadn't been around campus in a few months. Um, he literally just goes to yes. the football. Se- he's in, in Keenan and he's out. In a in um, an in interview, I think it was on the Carolina Insider. He pretty much admitted, I go to the Keenan Center and then I go home. Roy could probably list you every single bathroom in uh, on the university's campus and how many times he's used it. That's how well Roy knows the campus. And Mac Brown is seen as a guy that knows it just just as well. You know, he's been around. You know, we, we've seen him multiple times. Um, you know, especially this last season where they said that a lot of the relationship has been repaired. You know, really, especially since they announced that he was going into the College Football Hall of Fame. He's been around campus. And it seems like he has a good understanding of... What goes on around campus? Mm. I'm pretty sure that when kids come on recruiting visits, he's not just going to take them to the football center. He's mm. not just going to take them to Keenan Stadium. He'll take them to the Smith Center. He'll take them to Carmichael Arena. He'll take them all around campus you and got say, the look well. at this. Look at this place. Look at how beautiful this is. Look at the, you know, look at Franklin Street. Look at the lively environment that's there all year round. This is why you want to come here, not just the football program. Because if we're being honest, what what are you selling at best? A, a an eight to nine win football program a year? You're you're not competing with the schools in the area, like Clemson, who is selling right now. Hey, we can go to the national championship every year. Virginia Tech, who says, well, you know, look at us. We we're a school that if if we're at our best, we can win nine to ten games a year. Miami, they they know how to recruit as well by using the city. You can come and be around the city of Miami. Right. So Mac Brown and I, I I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. He will sell the university. He said that was the last question he answered. Um, I don't remember which. Oh, it was. It was Jonathan Alexander of the News and Observer that asked the question, which I thought was a fantastic question. Um, I don't know if that was the exact answer that he was getting at what he was looking for. I think he was looking more on the state of North Carolina and how he was going to. But by using, you know, the basketball program. Yeah, I think that could be a huge help, a humongous help for a guy. I mean, look at a guy like Kai Bowman who was committed to Larry Fedora, but also wanted to play basketball. I'm willing to bet everything that I have, he never even spoke to Roy Williams about playing basketball at Carolina. Because Larry Fedora said, well, 
we're not seeing Roy. You're not here to see Roy. You're here to see the football program. Right. Where Mac Brown would have taken him down there and Roy would have said, well, son, maybe we can do both. If you're committed, if you put in the frickin' effort, maybe we'll put you out there. Never know. And so, yeah, that could be that could be interesting now because a lot of kids are dual sport athletes. Yeah. And a lot of kids are interested in both. So, um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, you know, I know you, you are uh, you're psyched up. I yeah. watched the press conference. I'm pretty psyched up. I think it's going to be pretty awesome to have Mac Brown back. Um, you know, I just, you know, I, I am a little concerned about how quickly things were, things moved. Um, I mean, we, we made the joke yesterday and there's a real possibility that Mac was entering the building and maybe well, slapped Larry on the rear as he yeah. was heading out the door. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, you know, uh, this is probably, you know, you go back, we were in Keenan for the comeback against Pitt, got me pretty emotional, fired up, it was my birthday, um, the 11-1 year, this is probably as a fan that, like, we're coming off a 2-9 and nine year, and I'm on cloud nine, I don't want to come across as a kiss-ass, because I was a big supporter of Larry, when we, once, once we got to understand him, mm-hmm. the offense, and I was preaching the patience, and then we go to the ACC championship game, and now all of a sudden I look like a guy who backfired. I just think it it ran its course. I think ultimately this is what was best for North Carolina football in 2018, and that's all that matters currently. Um, and you know, and he challenged us as fans today. We can't get to where we want to get to unless we have support from the fans. We've got to be in Keenan. We've got to be loud and, right. and, and cheer. Also, Keenan Stadium, let fans stand at the football games, not threaten to whoa, eject us. Whoa, whoa. We're so, not going to get – yeah, yeah. Um, We're not going to get into that. We can have a whole podcast about that. So, um, you know, and and, and and that's what I think. As much as it starts with him on the recruit show, the, the, if the fan base doesn't buy in because they never fully bought into Larry Fedora, then it's never going to work because we play a big part in this program's success, whether we admit it or not. Right. No, I, I I agree with you. I think that's uh, that's a fantastic point. And here's my thing: whether or not you agree with the hire or not. Um, and again, I'm not saying that I disagree with the hire. Um, I, I understand your thing of right. Let's take it slow. Let's. My main thing was also you you didn't talk to anybody else. You didn't contact a, any other coach. That that we know of. Now, th- th- they could have reached out, and maybe they just yeah, got so a Now, field. Satterfield said said no, um, which is interesting because I think most people thought that he would probably be one of the first guys to get a call. So that's where I think people are saying, okay, so really, were there any calls? Or was this just, it's Mac and it's Mac. Um, if it is, then look, th- he's our head coach now. So it's it's time to buy in as fans. Um, look, you know, am I the most thrilled guy in the world right now? No, I do have questions. But at the same time, does that mean that you know I'm gonna sit here and say, well, you know, come the turn, you know, the turn of the calendar, and we start, you know, focusing again on football? After basketball season is over, I mean, me, I'm always focused on football, but for most people, it's a little bit different. So once everybody gets into that mindset, do you think that I'm that guy that's going to say, ah, 
I don't think I'm buying into this. I'm not going to games because I, you know, I don't want to see Mac Brown be successful. You'd be damn wrong. There's no way that's no, that's not the mindset that I take. I want to be dead wrong. I want you, I, I'm telling you, I want you in two to three years to come on here and say, mm, you look like a jackass now, don't you? Mm. And I will proudly say, yes, I do. Yes, I do. I'll be sitting there at the ACC championship game saying, I didn't believe in you, Mac, and what a moron I was. Right. That's fine. Please prove me wrong. Please do. And, um, you know, I think that's that's the sentiment that everybody should be feeling. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we talked about it a little bit, and, and we'll wrap it up here in, in just a second. This is the last thing that I want to say. There are a lot of people that still hold animosity towards Mac Brown for leaving for Texas. People, it's Texas. A lot of people would leave for Texas. That's a top three job in college football. Top three. Let let me let me tell you how valued that job is in college football. Does anybody remember the rumors that Nick Saban could potentially leave Alabama for there? Because there is enough money to pay you to go there, and they were There's willing enough to give willing him, to willingness to win there. They were willing to give him twenty five million dollars more than what Jimbo Fisher got in his deal at A and M. So for the and, and I believe, and we were talking about it before we came on, with right? The, that a lot of these people that are just being complete jackasses are because they're still mad that this man left us 20 years ago. We weren't alive. I mean, I was like one when this happened. But even then, I would understand you don't say no to Texas to stay at Carolina when they hadn't fully committed to giving you what you wanted yet. And he wasn't as receptive to understanding that, yeah, this is always going to be basketball first. See, we were in the daycare. We we were in the daycare center discussing that. People don't Probably. remember that. At one years old, we were literally sitting there saying, "Look, we. I mean, it's Texas, man. So it's a big job. You got to go." I mean, I just think now. I think he's more open minded. He he still knows how the university works, and I think this is ultimately in the long run. When we look back on his, you know, he's got a five year deal. So let's say he stays for. He just coaches the length of his contract. I think we'll understand this was probably the best thing that we did. For those five years. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so yeah, I think that's uh, that that's gonna wrap it up here for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Um, we 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 do still remain friends, believe it or not, people. Um, we we do have our disagreements, and that's what drives a show like this, and 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 makes it interesting. So um, we we will still uh, be hanging out. We will still be doing this podcast together. We are not going to have to call in a backup after uh, one of us has quit the show. Um, so we will be we will be all good. We will be ready to go. Um, and uh, I'm not sure exactly now. Now that we're in the off season, it's not going to be a you know set thing week by week. I think it just kind of comes with the news. More than likely, we will be doing this here <laughs> rather soon. Because we will be finding out who the coordinators are going to be, and we'll have that show for you. Um, we might even do a show before then where we list out who we want as our coordinators, because we wanted to do that with the head coaches, but Bubba they, they, they give Bubba, us a chance. But Bubba took that away from us. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, in all seriousness, though, we I, I, that is one of the things that I will be working on, getting my list prepared. There are some good names out there, um, both. 
offensively and defensively that Mac Brown could potentially be looking at. So it will be interesting to see what kind of staff he is able to put together and just the type of success that he is able to have here in his second stint at Carolina. So as always, guys, I want to thank you for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn.com, or the TuneIn app. The Tar Heel season is officially over, so there will not be any more uh, presentations of, well, now, Mac Brown Live. That will come back next year. Of course, no Tar Heel football games going forward. A little bit of news to bring to you as well before we go off the air. There have been two guys that will be suspended for a half of next year's season opener against South Carolina, which will be an interesting one because Mac Brown will be going up against his one-time thought predecessor at Texas, Will Muschamp. Um, but two guys will be suspended, both guys that were starters for eight-plus games this season. Dominic Ross, the starting linebacker who most expected would probably be suspended. He was one of the first guys that was in on the fight, so he will be suspended for a half. And Patrice Rene, the starting corner, will also be suspended. Two other guys were handed suspensions, both J.K. Britt and Jeremiah Clark. They are seniors and will not be returning. So those suspensions will not be levied against them. To those guys, of course, we wish the best. We wish the best to the seniors that will be leaving the program as well. Congratulations to Cole Holcomb for making second-team All-ACC. Well-deserved, 104 tackles on the season, eight tackles for loss. Guy that forced four fumbles. He had a fantastic year and a fantastic career at Carolina. What a story he is going from being a freshman walk-on to a senior leader of this Carolina football team. And we wish all the other seniors success wherever the road takes them. So, thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels! Here I am. Here I am.